Okay, everybody, welcome to another Ignite Visibility University. Today, I am so excited because we have Patty Newcomer with us. Patty is a dynamic marketing executive with 30 plus years experience in financial services and technology. She's currently CMO of FMG Suite, but Patty was previously VP of Marketing at Intuit and SVP and CMO at WorldPay, and she's had uh, quite a few other positions as well. Patty, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. John Lincoln here. If you don't mind, please go ahead and leave us a quick five-star review on wherever you are listening to this podcast. We would really appreciate it. It keeps us motivated. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into today's content. And thank you. Thank you so much for being on. We're so excited to learn from you. And it's always um, just so much fun to get insights um, from somebody with your experience. I was wondering for um, for our listeners, would you mind telling us just a little bit about you, your role, and, and maybe your career history just a bit? Sure. Um, my current role, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at FMG Suite. Um, FMG Suite is a company based in San Diego. And we sell marketing automation uh, software to financial advisors and insurance agents. And so this is the first time I've ever been in a position where the product that we're marketing is actually marketing. Um, and we're helping small business owners. And I've spent many years working with small business owners. And this is just a huge need that they have to help them grow their business. So one of the things I know that our, our listeners love to hear about is just a little bit about your background. And so yeah. you, you were at Intuit previously and WorldPay. You know, what, what was that transition like and, and how did you kind of come up um, within those executive level um, positions? Um, so let me, let me give you um, my background because I have a really unique career and um, I, I went to college for chemical engineering um, and spent 10 years at Procter & Gamble doing R&D, new product development. And then I, um, I, have moved, I moved into marketing after that, spent five years at Capital One, um, and then a couple years at a regional bank called Wachovia that's now part of Wells Fargo. And then went to um, Intuit for the first time, and then to WorldPay, then to Intuit for the second time, and then this FMG um, role. So I have certainly moved around a lot. Um, I've basically been the head of marketing for a business unit since I was at Wachovia. Um, and so one of my big pieces of advice to people is always, um, you know, think about really where you want to be and what um, kind of work you enjoy and then be listening for what kind of opportunities are out there. And don't be afraid to make a move, try something different, take a risk. Um, that's certainly something that I have done and it has benefited me throughout my career. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. And it seems like a lot of your time has been in the financial services and technology space. Is that one that you would recommend to others? You've enjoyed that that particular sector? Very much so. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a really interesting product and area. And there's a lot of um, leading edge marketing that's going on in that space. And so um, that's been, you know, thinking about fintech and martech is just a a, a new and up and coming um, kind of place to have a marketing career. Awesome. So I know a lot of people, you know, they, they might be starting in their career and they might be hoping one day they could become CMO or they might be hoping they could become SVP. What do you think differentiates somebody like you and allowed you to have your level of success where you're able to kind of, you know, become um, the, the leader of, of that particular right. part of the organization opposed to um, others who haven't? Just in, any, any tips for people who are interested? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, one is being able to um, understand and appreciate that 
in order to scale yourself, you have to get things done through other people. And so a big part of your job is really growing the people in your organization and not always having to be the best or have the best idea or be the smartest person in the room. In fact, not being that can be really helpful because that helps you grow the people and see the development of the people on your team. And that's a win, not, you know, not a, a problem or a competition. Um, so that's one really important thing. I would say, you know, something that's been very important for me for my entire career is something that I learned from my first boss and first leader out of college, which is always have a point of view. Um, it's your job to have a, a point of view. And it's especially important when that point of view is different from your manager's point of view. And so you're an expert, you're the expert on your particular area, your particular um, product area. And, um, and you need to always be thinking about what's my point of view, what's next, what do I think we should be doing next? And don't be afraid to sort of have your manager say, no, we're not gonna go that direction. No, we're not gonna do it that way, but you've expressed it and that's really important and that's really valuable. And the opposite of that is just doing what you're told. And, um, and that, you know, you won't get to be more senior if that's how people know you as just an executor. Oh my gosh, Ignite Visibility listeners, if you take anything from this podcast, uh, take that point. I think that that's just gold right there. Um, as somebody who also leads an organization, I absolutely love it when somebody challenges me with a point of view. Um, and and although it might feel odd in the moment, it always makes me reflect and think, you know what, maybe I'm not thinking about things the right way. Patty, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that our listeners, um, that'll be a, a great help to them. So. One of the things that we wanted to talk about today, and one of the things that I, I know that you have some expertise in and that has aligned with your background a little bit is making sure that you build lasting relationships with customers. And while we won't be able to you know, do an hour on that, right. what, what are just a couple tips that you have for building lasting customer relationships that people might find interesting? Right. I think one of them is to listen to your customers. Um, and you know, we always talk at, um, we always talked at Intuit about savoring the surprise. Like don't try to put words in their mouth. Don't go to customers with a, an agenda. Really just go and try to learn and listen to them. Don't put words in their mouth um, and really just listen to what's broken. Um, you know, certainly what's working is helpful as well, but but what what's broken and and how can we get into their mind and their environment to really understand how to best serve them. And I'll give you a, a, a relatively minor but really important example. So I worked with professional tax preparers and the calendar for a professional tax preparer is very seasonal, right? You know, the, the deadline is April 15th. For, forget about last year COVID with all the extensions and craziness, but in general, the, the um, the deadline for taxes are April 15th. So our pros are really head down doing preparing returns from February to April. And then they're, um, you know, they're more open to learning new things and exploring what might be out there over the summer months, maybe early fall, you know, later in the fall, they're, um, they're getting ready for the next tax season, starting to engage with their customers to, to get ready. So that's, you know, we have to think about when are they open to learning new things? When are they open to new features and, you know, switching? And it's not on March 15th. So, you know, <laughs> if we had a, 
if we had a release that was supposed to go out in August and it gets pushed to March, like it's really difficult for somebody who's heads down trying to get returns done in March to also be taking on new things and trying to learn new software or learn new features. And so just being, you know, understanding and empathetic to what that person's calendar is and what their season is and how, what drives their business is really important as we engage with them. That's a really great example. Don't try to launch a marketing campaign for a new product for tax people during tax season because they are so busy. And I have many friends in the business and I totally get that. And it's just such a good um, point about knowing your customer and listening and making sure you're crafting solutions around them. That's something that I've learned um, over the last two or three years. And it's been really, really good in a lot of ways. So next thing I wanted to ask you about a little bit is and it's kind of interesting you talked about this a little bit already, I guess, but, you know, point of view, everybody having a point of view, and that's been good for you to be successful in your career. But my question is, how do you make sure everyone feels included in the work environment? And not to lead the question, is point of view part of it? Um, but how do you go about managing a bigger team and allowing all these people to feel included and like they have a say when, when the, the team can get fairly large? Yeah, it's a really important question because um, the other factor that goes into it is different people learn and engage and participate in different ways. So I'm really an extrovert on the huge extrovert scale. Um, and I've had a lot of people on my teams that are introverts, like on the total other scale. So the kinds of things that I would do to like energize me are you know lots of team interaction lots of engaging and that is exhausting for an introvert and yeah. so you know trying to create environments where you're building relationships and building trust with in a way that is com is conducive to the way everybody on your team is going to work best so you know i always talk about um the value of diversity is getting multiple points of view on the table so that the result, the outcome is better than it would have been if just one person decided. So it's a little bit of one plus one is three, right? And in order to get to that point, you have to be able to constructively deal with conflict. And in order to be able to constructively deal with conflict, you have to trust each other. And in order to trust each other, you have to have really strong relationships. And so I go all the time to how do we build relationships so that we can have trust, so that it's okay to challenge, so that we get to a better outcome. Um, and so there's a little bit of like, it's not, building relationships is not just about, you know, building relationships. It's not just about hugging and, you know, being good and, you know, fluffy stuff. It's really about, I've got to build relationships so we can have trust, so we can deal with conflict well. So we can um, so we can get to better outcomes, and then doing all of that in a way that brings all of the different types of people into the environment. So things like, um, you know, giving people some notice to stuff, right? Because some people are processors and they need a day or two to think about things to be at their best to give their best ideas. So send out the agenda a couple of days early. Um, making sure that we have enough breaks so that the introverts can step away and, um, and not always have to be on and they can recharge because that's how introverts recharge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, giving people, I mean, I love the chat feature in Zoom because it allows everybody to contribute 
in a way that they might not in a room, like in a meeting in a room where everybody has to talk in. Um, what I used to do in, the, in that room environment is just, if people are quiet, call on them. But that can also be difficult for some people, but that chat kind of democratizes it and it allows people to come in without having the spotlight on them or without, you know, without them having to um, be so front and, front and center, you know, on stage. Yeah, really interesting stuff and things, um, you know, I think everybody struggles with, you know, how do you um, tell half of your team that's not the direction we're going to go, we're going to go with the, the way the other half of the team felt, and, and kind of, you know, making everybody feel included. I mean, is the key, you know, somehow communicating to them that it's, it's for the better of, of everybody? Or I mean, is it any, any thoughts on that? Or? Yeah, I think, I think there's some of that. I also think there's some of like, what are the things where people could do it their way and not have it be your way and it not being high risk? Yeah. Because that there not everything has to be the perfect way or the you know full consensus way. Sometimes you know we can do things that your way. It, it wouldn't be how I would do it, but you know what? Let's go learn and do it your way. We can always pivot. We can always check back in. We can always you know do it a different way. And there's not a lot of risk. And so. You know, we, we're also um, conscious of like setting out who gets to decide what, when, and really allowing people in the organization to make decisions as much as they can, and really only having those decisions go senior when they have to. Well, certainly uh, I'm soaking up a couple tips from you too, as I uh, am always looking to improve my leadership. I appreciate <laughs> that. So one of the things that I noticed uh, is that you're you're pretty big into philanthropy and uh, you've got some passion around it. And I just wanted to um, just hear a little bit why uh, that's been important to you and some of the things you've been involved in, if, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Um, you know, from the get-go of my career, I've been um, involved in a lot of ways to give back. Um, and I think it comes from my parents. Um, they were and have always been very involved in church and other charities and ways to give back. My mom is 78 and is a Vita tax preparer and she works at the food bank and she volunteers at the church. And that's just, that's just, you know, how we grew up and, and what we did growing up. I have found over the last few years that the things that I have gravitated to are about women in STEM and women in technology. So um, I'm involved in, I was a founding member and I'm very involved in a, an organization that we formed at my alma mater, which is Worcester Polytechnic Institute called the Women's Impact Network. And it's a philanthropic organization. We raise money in order to fund grants on campus that help women in STEM on or associated with campus. And then I've also recently become a limited partner in a venture capital fund that funds companies that are founded by women and with a particular focus on, on technology companies. Um, through the How Women Invest um, fund that just closed. And so um, those are two things that are kind of near and dear to me right now. And I just have found that that's where my passion is. Very cool. So um, I've been in technology for a while now, 20 years. Um, women in technology has been something that's come up for a long time. Can you tell us just a little bit about that topic and why people might want to uh, rally around it? Yeah, um, if you look at like the venture capital fund, so little venture capital goes to women founded companies and 
there's tons of data that shows that women founded companies do really well and are very successful. Um, and it's even worse if you look at minority women founded companies. And part of the issue is the investors are, you know, the venture capital firms tend to be headed by men. The investors tend to be headed by, you know, tend to more likely be men. And so as we, the data shows that as you introduce women into the sphere of investors, they naturally invest in more um, in more women-founded companies, but but creating specific um, opportunities for women to either angel invest or VC is starting to show um, some progress in getting more money um, to those kinds of founders. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear it's heading in somewhat of a positive direction and everybody uh, deserves an equal opportunity. And uh, I would love everybody who's listening to this to look into these organizations and support, support, support. Um, so Patty, shifting gears a little bit, you know, we always like to hear kind of towards the end of the podcast, um, what are you most excited about in marketing right now in business? Is there anything that's top of mind? I mean, are you excited about, probably not this, but chatbots? I don't know. I mean, is there anything, is it more strategic that you're thinking or is it more tactical? Where, where's your head at in this? Uh, yeah, you know, there, there's a couple of things. One is just the impact of AI and machine learning on these, you know, professional professions. So things like law and accounting and medicine and all that stuff, and just what that's going to allow and free up people to to do um, with all of that um, sort of manual stuff being able to be automated, and just what that technology can do and bring to all of these um, professions, I think is huge. And I think it could make a big difference in marketing um, as well. Because I think about, you know, uh, what we've learned is um, AI is really about um, um, automating de decision making and and guessing, not guessing, automating um, automating decision making and and predicting decision making. And what is marketing but predicting who's going to respond and make a different purchase decision or switch or buy something new? And so I just think there's a ton of opportunity there. And then from a marketing perspective, I've just spent some time thinking about, you know, what are the key trends in marketing that, um, and these aren't brand new, but but that are um, that are really important for us. And um, it's um, analytics, the power of analytics, personalization, and there's a lot of data that's involved in personalization, and then content and video, um, and just you know, making sure that we're doing those well, while we're also continuing to do more of the things that we already do well, um, I just think is really important. So those things are kind of top of mind for me these days. 100% could not agree with you more and very cool to uh, hear where your head's at. And, you know, the the artificial intelligence side, you know, I, 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 not to go too deep on it, but you know, I, I believe in the next five to ten years, um, every business will have some element of that. Is for sure on the marketing side. So excited to um, to see that come to life. So, so Patty, um, as we're kind of wrapping up today, where can people find out more about you, FMG Suite? Anything that you want people to know about where they can follow you online or what you're excited about for the future? Follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn. My legal name right now is. Uh... Patty Newcomer hyphen Simmons. I'm uh, today is my seventh week, seven week anniversary of being married. So I'm uh, changing my congrats. name, but it's Newcomer Simmons right now. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, feel free to reach out. 
Awesome. Patty, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.